Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is episode 148 of Beyond Synth. This is the show where we talk to cool people who make cool music. And I'm your host, Andy Last. And I am putting this show together rather quickly, even though it's technically airing a day later. But we're going to just do the Patreon as we used to do. I'm just going to do a Patreon segment. I've got this kind of interesting chat today with Dallas Campbell and Ogre, uh, Rob and Ogden. Sort of an experiment. Uh, you know, people over the years have always bugged me about doing shows where we talk more technical in terms of music, because obviously on this show, even though we talk to a lot of cool artists who make cool music, we usually end up just talking about video games and movies, which... I prefer doing, but that's, you know, that's just me. So today I thought, hey, I'll have these two guys on. They love collecting gear. They like doing experimental and interesting things with their sounds. And I thought it would be fun to talk with them more technically about the music making than we normally do on the show. And, you know, let me know what you think, if you enjoyed it or whatever. So how about this? Let's listen to a song and then we'll get this show started. Uh... And here's a cool one from Wojciech Olszewski. This is not his new one. This is actually from one of his older ones, but it just popped up in my playlist the other day. And I really like this song, man. It's fucking cool. It's nice and short, but it's uh, it's a cool track. And this is from his album uh, Relay Satellite 1 in brackets Data 65. And... <laughs> Wojciech has this whole series of like these data transmission themed tracks because i think even the newest one it's like data 16 or something like that anyway this is a cool one this is data 8 or data 8 depends if you say data or data i'm gonna say i'm gonna say data 8 data 8 then that sounds weird anyway
that was Wojciech Golchewski with the track Data 8 or Data 8. And uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I, I dig it is what I'm trying to say. And that, of course, was brought to you by Zencaster, uh, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com. It's voice recording software for podcasters. It's all web-based. You just uh, send a link to your buddies or your friends who are in your podcast or who you're interviewing. Uh, they click the link. They're automatically connected to a voice chat. You hit record. It records a separate stream for every person in the conversation. It's intuitive. It's easy to use. And uh, if you go to Zencaster.com and sign up and use the promo code BEYONDSYNTH, you can get uh, 20% off. And it's really useful, especially if you're like a podcast recorder now and you you know, you know do the show over Skype and you get everyone to send in their audio and stuff. Uh, Zencaster is a really cool program. And I should say that it's hard to explain in the podcast, but anytime I record with people using Zencaster, they always are like, oh, wow, this is actually really cool. Like, they all say that. So I guess when I explain it on the show, it's not totally clear as to what it is, really, and I guess you have to see for yourself. But every time I record with a new guest and we use Zencaster, they're always impressed by how sort of seamless and well it works. So anyway, check it out, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com. And of course, Retro Revolutions, Jared, because he's been a, a good sponsor to Beyond Synth, and he just put out a video where I think he modded a Game Gear, so it's got like a, a TV output. So it's like it still works as a Game Gear, but then you like, you connect it to your television, and then you can plug in like a Sega controller and use it like a console. And he's got the video up on how he did that. There's lots of cool soldering of weird components and things and ripping things apart and wires and uh, you should check that out and that's Retro Revolutions on YouTube at Retro Faith Games on Twitter and on Instagram uh, Retro underscore Revolutions so go check that out and we should just uh, where, where am I going with this let's do the Patreon oh <laughs> sorry I'm sort of doing this in haste Hi guys, now I haven't done the Patreon segment in a while because I usually just name uh, the people who support Beyond Synth uh, after every track, but this week I have to do it this way because of the way the show was edited. So it's all good. These are the people who support Beyond Synth with their kind donations. And in the $25 club, there's Clint Dowling, Mike Shima, Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, Chris Danz, and Jacob Wick with the 2288, Frank Skinicki with the 1987 Hampus ML with the 1332 and the lovely Chris Salaya Lane with the 1111 and in the $10 club these are all my lovely $10 donors there's Fraser Davidson Justin Armour which I think is new did I acknowledge that last week if I didn't hey Justin Armour how's it going you're a cool guy thank you for donating to Beyond Synth I hope doing so makes all of your dreams come true so Justin you're a cool guy. And then there is the Patch Bay. The Patch Bay, man, it uh, it uh, bridges that gap between creator and client. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, creators provide verified crystal quality content and services which clients receive through a state-of-the-art automated digital delivery experience. Know what I mean? 
It's cool, though. Check out the Patch Bay. It is a website where you can uh, uh, buy things audio-related and services provided by cool artists and stuff like that. And back to the $10 Club. There's Blake Peterson, Ken Giroux, Martin Larby, Hexenwork, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, Trevor Resnick, Poly Digital, Elias Garnier, Murat, Playmaker Media, Ashley Keegan, Greg Smith, Fucking Slunks, Willow, Winfield, and Colin Bennett. And with the lucky triple seven, it's the Rosconian and Skywolf and 669, Mr. Hugh Jones, 69. And the donation of the beast. Let's hear that jingle. This is the donation of the These are all the people who donate $6.66 a month because of the fires of hell. There's Ross Ross Pentland, Moose Nux, Rob Dyson, Street Cleaner, Orlando, Rodriguez, Naif, Till Wild, Straylight, Carm, Lucas Ceballos, and Renton Brikes. And with the 617, it's Polar Wildcat Studios. And Timbral with the 520. Timbral. Is that new? Did I acknowledge that last week? Timbral? Hey, Timbral. How's it going, buddy? I hope you're well. And uh, in the $5 Club, it's uh, Sleeve McDykel. <laughs> I see what you're doing, buddy. And new $5 donor, David Andrews, and in brackets, the Englishman in Texas. There can't be many of those. So, are you the only one? Did you bring some others with you? You let me know, man. David Andrews. Thank you very much for donating to Beyond Synth, man. You're a cool guy. Then there's Tomas Zimanek. We still got to get that pronunciation. I think it's Tomas Zimanek. And Andrew Tukas, Rachel Buchelman, Sergio Matai, Binkley, Sven, Bomanis, City Bat, Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexius, Star Nomad, Michelle Vasquez, Tim Ross, Neon Knox, Damian Rudies, Phil Clothier, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, Marco Cranendonk, Corey Valentine, Timothy Pierce, Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Raw Pod, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, Simon Norberg, Matthew Lister, Bobby B, Cunning Corvid, Roman, Joe and Lando, and Kai. Wow, that's a lot of names. Thank you so much for donating to Beyond Synth. You guys are all awesome, and if you want to join them and donate to the show, go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can go to beyondsynth.com and click the donate button. And I'll talk more about the website in a second. But first, let's listen to a track. This is by 80 Tribe. So the number 80 and then the word tribe. Sometimes when people send me songs, they still have like their original titles on them. So I hope I'm getting this correct. I think this track is called Intro Electrics by 80 Tribe. Oh, and I have to issue a correction too. Okay, well, I'll do that after. Uh, So anyway, listen to this cool song, man. This is 80 Tribe with the track Intro Electrics.
And that was Intro Electrics by AT Tribe. And uh, go check them out. You know, you can always check out all the links in the show notes. So if you're on SoundCloud, you click on More Info. Or if you're listening to the show on YouTube, you know, you click on the More Info button. And I have all the links to all the artists, oh, all the artists <laughs> there. So you can follow up and, and go to their websites and uh, check out their music. And I have to acknowledge, I have two things to say. One, last week, episode 147, I played the wrong Morgan Willis track. That is correct. Marco asked me, he said, play Midnight Radio off the album Supernova. And we listened to it. And then later on when I was editing the show, I was really rushed. And I accidentally, because I'll put in like a higher quality version of the track, like into the into the edit, I put in the track Supernova instead of Midnight Radio. So sorry, Morgan Willis, and anyone who was listening, if you were confused, I played the wrong song, okay? They're back-to-back on the, like, Midnight Radio is track two and Supernova's track three, or vice versa, and I fucked up and I, I played the wrong song. I apologize. The song I played was still cool. Like, Morgan Willis makes great music, so it uh, doesn't matter... Which one I played, man? You got you got yourselves a good song. And I would also like to acknowledge the Beyond Synth website. So I'd like you to check it out because it's super cool. It was made by a dude called Mike Rezel. He produced it. He's just made a really great website. It's got a Synthwave artist database, which is the coolest thing. So beyondsynth.com. Uh, there's a Synthwave artist database. You can see all the artists who are featured on Beyond Synth. You can see if it's an interview or if they've got their music played. We're still building it, so not all the information is there yet, but the framework is there. And I'm really proud of this fucking website, man. It's super useful. The Synthwave artist database alone is a really cool fucking thing. And there's like hundreds of artists in this thing, maybe even like four or 500 entries. And so uh, it's a cool way to find artists uh, who make cool music. And it was produced by a guy called Mike Rezel, who I would like you to check out because he did such an awesome job. So if you want to know a little bit about him, uh, Mike makes fucking awesome websites, all right? Mike is fast. He gives free hosting and builds in tools so you can easily edit your site yourself after it's up and running. So if you need a site, check out his work and contact him at MikeRezel.com. That's Mike, R-E-Z-L.com. And uh, look, he built this amazing website, BeyondSynth.com, for me. Please go and check him out. And if you have any website uh, needs, go check him out, man. And uh, he can help you out. He's a very clever guy. What he's done with the database was like more than I ever expected. It's been on the cards for a long time. Like I've known this is something we want to do. And Mike implemented it quickly. And uh, he's just a very clever guy. So let's listen to another track. And then we will go to my conversation with Ogre and Dallas. Okay. So here is a song from a group called Mako. It's spelled M-A-I-C-O. But the C is like backwards. I don't even know. How do you do a backwards C? You know when some people, like, they have weird characters in their letters, and I'm like, how do you get the fucking macro for that? Anyways, these people are cool. This one is Fluorescent Lights Burn at Night by Mako.
And that was Mako with the song Fluorescent Lights Burn at Night. And, uh, yeah, I like that one, man. That's cool. Mako with a backwards C. And that's, uh, that's all I know about that. So... Let us go now and talk music production with Ogre and Dallas Campbell. What was that? That was Nathan Musser texting me about we're going to sa- have a sampling session tonight. Oh, sweet. What are you recording? I'm going to take my contact mic over there, and he's got some xylophony suitcase. Ooh, nice. Instrument things. I don't know what the heck they are, but he had like a ceramic one and a metallic one I saw there the other day. Nice. Going to fiddle around with that. That sounds cool. It will either be with a contact mic. It goes one of two ways. Like Either it comes out sounding like the best thing ever. It's like, so kind of mic's like a stethoscope kind of thing, so you can hear the vibrations of sound and things. So you put it on stuff and you're like, expect it to be one way and it'll go the other. And then sometimes you put it on something that you thought, oh, this isn't going to work and you get the most like amazing results. But yeah, they're pretty fun. Listen, let's fucking start. And we'll, we'll, uh, I'll, intru- I'll introduce us properly here. So I'm here today with Ogre, aka Robin. Hello. And uh, Dallas Campbell. Hi there. And it's always fun. I like having you guys uh, both on. And I was going to, this is going to be the first of an intermittent series. So I don't know if it actually counts as a series, but <laughs> we're over like 144, 45 episodes of Beyond Synth now. It's pretty damn good. Yep. Well, it's the best, uh, it's the best synth music chat show there is, man. Haven't you heard? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have heard. I get a lot of people over the years who don't like my style. They, they're they always wondering, like, they come to the show thinking it's going to be producers talking, like, production, mm. and it's more of just a chat show where we just talk about anything and we just listen to music and it just happens to exist in this world of, you know, uh, retro synth music and stuff like that. Yep. So I thought maybe I would give in for a few episodes and actually talk to, you know, some of my favorite dudes and ladies about their, um, and you're the ladies, by the way. Nice. <laughs> about, like, production. Now, look, just so everybody's clear, this is still going to be an episode of Beyond Synth, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of tangents, but basically, I'm coming into this conversation today, I've picked some of my favorite tracks of yours that we've played on the show before, that we've talked about before, but maybe not on a technical level. Yep. And so I thought today, now you guys have done lots of collaborations, and I, I figure we'll do a few of these, uh, I mean, with you two, and we'll tackle collaborations like another time, because obviously you guys have, have worked together on some stuff. So today we're just going to be talking about individual tracks you guys have made, and we'll bounce back and forth. We'll do a, an Ogre track and a Dallas Campbell track, and we'll talk more specifically about the work that goes into actually sort of producing those songs. And, yep. And that's kind of the agenda for today cool nice i like it but before we get going here dallas you've got a pregnant cat is that correct (laughs) (laughs) i do have a pregnant i I assume it's pregnant Mm. it's if it's not pregnant man it's needy and fat (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh yeah it's it's keeping me up at nights you didn't have some like weird revelation where you like you've been storing like some beef jerky like in a freezer somewhere and then you f- you go to collect it and you find that like it's all been hollowed out <laughs> and the cat's been eating it like that, that's the reason why the cat's grown big like it's eating all your cereal and beef <laughs> <laughs> no 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 mm. no and and as we were talking about it's just a random cat that i grabbed from the outdoors and because my kids were driving me crazy about wanting a pet so mm. i just snagged a stray cat <laughs> and was like here you go and then about two weeks later i was like ah shit it's pregnant oh so you mean and this then, is just this is just a cat you got like two weeks ago around christmas it was like the christmas yeah, miracle you, re- you rescued it when it, when it was real cold out I yeah yeah and it was yeah. it was all bony and skinny and and i was like oh this looks like a, a great pet <laughs> this man- mangly old raggedy dirty stray cat let's take it in <laughs> so i got it all fat and attached to me and then i was and then it started acting crazy wanting to get into bed with me every night and stuff <laughs> and then, and it started getting really fat and i was like oh man what the heck am i gonna do now but the first cat we had uh that i remember from childhood my my brother brought home and I think she was a stray. She was called Puss. And um, she was a great cat. I, I forget how old she was when uh, he found her. She was young, but she she was probably already like a year or two. And she had a really great personality. She didn't meow very often. Mm. And so she was just quiet and cool. And then we ended up getting this other cat called Fluff. And that cat like meowed all the time and was really annoying. And those two would fight each other. <laughs> And then, yeah, then later on, then the, the cat that I had when I was sort of in high school, I got as a kitten, and she was insane, and her name was Fufu, and that's my cat story. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I've taken this stray in, every, if I can't leave my front door open, because all of the other stray cats in the neighborhood, they just come in now. Yeah. <laughs> so if I leave the door open, there'll just be a random cat running around my house, and my kids start screaming like, ah, daddy, there's cats. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember for <laughs> when Fufu was going into heat because we didn't get her fixed quick enough. Yeah. So she was going into yes. heat and making crazy noises. And my buddy always reminds me of this day. It's just like, this was like one of his favorite memories of me freaking out was we had to keep her inside. Right? We couldn't let her outside. We live in a small town, right? Mm-hmm. And so every time the door would be open, I'd freak out because she was in heat and she'd like dart for the door. <laughs> and I just remember like my buddy walking in one time with the door open and then like I just come like flying into the room just like, close the door, she'll get screwed. <laughs> and, like, and he still like every so often just reminds me of that stupid, close the door, she'll get screwed. Oh, man. That was yeah. my real reaction. But... Uh, <laughs> We did, we did get her fixed, and it was okay, but the sounds they make when they're in heat are just bizarre. Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> Anyways, let's, uh, sp- speaking of bizarre sounds, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get down to business. So maybe we'll start with a Dallas track. How about that? Because we're in, we're in Dallas mode right now. So I picked a few songs. These are all ones I've played on the show, mm-hmm. but I thought we'd talk about um, this track I played a few times because I dig it. It was called Bad Trip from City One. I like that one. Which is a cool album, and uh, and I dug this song. So let's listen to that, and then we'll uh, we'll come back with uh, with Dallas and 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 an ogre. Cool. Bye. 
Alright, and that was Bad Trip by Dallas Campbell off the album City One. City One was a, a cool album. It was like sort of a uh, concept soundtrack. And I think we uh, we talked about it Mm-hmm. Last year or something, and it was uh, it was mm-hmm. like about a cult and all this stuff. Yes. What I like about having the two of you on is that you sort of, both of you have gone in this path of, or I mean, I think Dallas, you were sort of always there, and I, well, no, you both were uh, of really using like real synths, mm-hmm. collecting real noises, and you know, using old kit and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. talk to me then about maybe just the, that album in general, but like what synths you were using and, you know, how you got about making these uh, these sounds. That album I recorded through, I had an old 16-channel Yamaha mixer. I think it was a 1604. And uh, I recorded everything on that album through that. And it's the stock pre- dirty, old, crappy preamps <laughs> in that thing. So that's the sound of that album is that mostly the Yamaha. A lot of the album is live, too. I think that song I used... I think the drums are a 707, a Roland TR-707. And I was using a uh, Electron SID station and the SH-101, I think. Like, at the end of the day, you still... Like, you're, you've got this 16-channel mixer. Is that going into Logic? Yeah. Okay. That mixer doesn't have direct out per channel, so I just have to use a stereo out. So that's why it ended up a lot of that <laughs> album's live, because you just... <laughs> You get one shot and, you know, you got to get it all right because you got left and right going into Logic. That track particular, like, I really loved that <laughs> that weird sort of, like, melody that's running through it. It was like, <laughs> that's a Sid Station. I'm pretty sure. The Sid Station ran through my Roland rack of effects, but it, it's a Sid Station, I'm pretty sure. It was a Sid Station sequenced with a Dark Time, the Dark Time analog sequencer. How many pieces of, like, actual gear were used here? Because every time you keep mentioning more things that are plugged into things. I think I used the the Paraphonic 505. There's, like, a string kind of chordy sound. That's the Paraphonic. The SH-101, the Sid Station, uh, the 707 for the drums. I might have been using the CR-7 too. But all of that was going into the mixer and then bounced, you know, coming out as a stereo and a logic. Did you do anything once it's in logic? Like any post-processing? Yeah, I, I'm sure I cut, I probably cut it up a little bit and did some arranging maybe on certain tracks. The, the whole album isn't completely just recorded through that, but every song was at least started that way. Right. And I, that song is particularly i think it's pretty much all just live just straight into logic i have sort of a silly question whenever i've like dabbled in making music like i've always done just in the computer you know like just fl studio logic things like that Mm. so i've never actually like even touched like a drum machine (laughs) like in my life (laughs) there's no there's really no need (laughs) just use the same i I mean honestly (laughs) i have tons of drum machines and i i use them but <laughs> is it worth it? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> you could just sample it, really. And sometimes we do. Like, that's the other thing. Right. Yes, I, d- I yeah. mean, I do it too. But sometimes you want, because you use the triggers and there's a certain vibe you get from doing it live and that's triggering. You got to figure it out. This is going to trigger. The 707 is going to trigger the dark time. And this you got to, and then you get a certain sound because it's, you only got, you have two hands and two feet. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you, a certain sound comes out of that. Right, because, I mean, I do notice that the vibe of a lot of your music definitely evokes that sort of, that late 70s, maybe like 1980, 81, you know, like it's in that sort of zone. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's your drum samples that do that to me. Like the second I hear those drums, those kind of disco-y sounding samples, I suppose. I mean, like, how much control do you have in a drum machine? Like if it's a certain machine, is it just like, this is the kick sound? This is the 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 symbol? Or? It depends on the drum machine. Okay. The 707 is, uh, I mean, it's like ROM sample based. So it, yeah, you, it just has a kick sound. I think I was running the 707 into my Pro 1 and using the filter to cut off a lot of the high end. Like, if you go, like, a 909 or, you know, like, uh, 808, like, they're just straight-up analog, and they have controls you can mess with the drum sound. But a lot of those big-sounding 80s drum machines, they're just digital. And some of them you can slow down the sample or tune it or something, but Mm. the 707, you can't, unless you modify it, (laughs) have someone modify it. So what does that mean, though? Like, if it's a digital drum machine, is it essentially just a synthesizer that's just putting out drum sounds? No. I would say that's an analog. (laughs) I mean, yeah, sort of. the, an analog drum machine is going to be more like a synthesizer because that's using like I mean it depends on what drum sound but like you know a bass drum will be a, an actual wave form from an oscillator but then it's like is gated or has an envelope on it and then like a snare will be like white noise or whatever but again is like gated or filtered or whatever and so that would be more analog but whereas the digital drum machines and stuff is going to be sam- samples pretty much oh I see okay so a digital one is like where you actually like put in a little like memory card in there with samples and then it, it'll yes trigger the samples all right okay got yeah it. that kind of thing yeah okay okay or they have chips what the heck are those chips called? <laughs> like the ROM chips EPROMs yeah yes yes e- yeah, EPROMs yeah. <laughs> I, I started burning my own <laughs> like basically <laughs> yeah use which was the making my own like lindrum samples which was next next level nerdy yeah i had that i had that drum later because the, the the numbers i hear the most whenever i hear people talk about drum machines <laughs> it's the seven, 707 808 so what does that mean those are just like that's just the model like yeah those are those two are completely different because I, I hear i hear 808 all the time right like 808 is the one i hear the most it's analog okay yeah they're they're completely different the 707 is just all digital if you you want to make the 80s synthy wave stuff and that's like 707 and 505 66 yeah the 505 snare is gold <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've, used, I've used the 505 snare so much over the years <laughs> mixed with certain a, things i have a sample from dallas of his 505 snare it's called the magic 505 <laughs> See, I was always apprehensive about doing a show where we talk specifically about production and gear, mm. and I was always worried that it would be sort of nerdy. But then when you get a sentence like the 505 is gold <laughs> and you know like these things are just like the, the nerdiest thing you could ever hear like just what, what what that must mean to someone who doesn't know anything about this and just hear these sorts of sentences. Just, <laughs> yeah. This is that episode yeah. of Beyond Synth where they talk about fucking eep roms and <laughs> <laughs> This is the good one. Burn, yeah. <laughs> Burning your own eeprom. I mean it really doesn't get much nerdier. Nerdier and I mean it is goofy, but Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We love it. We love doing it. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to play a, an ogre song now. Good. And then Thank these God. are my awesome uh, <laughs> these are my awesome segues by the way. So this was from um, Calico Braun. Mm. This uh, this album's you know all around pretty great. Well, Why did I say it that way? It's it's one of the best ones. Sorry, I said I said all around pretty great as if that's like it's all around pretty great except for those two fucking ones that I can't stand. <laughs> 
but, but you know. Um, of course, this is the album where uh, Sure Thing comes from. Obviously, like, one of my favorite things ever made. This track is called Always Outnumbered, Never Outrun. How, how do you say it in your head when you say, like, <laughs> with, with what intonation? Uh, I'd go down on the, on the run. Always, like, always Outnumbered. outnumbered. Never, never outrun. outrun. Never outrun. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's listen to that because it's awesome.
All right, and that was Always Outnumbered, Never Outrun by Ogre. And I'm here today with Ogre in Dallas, and we're talking about uh, production, a little switch up from talking about Batman and video games and stuff, although we can, <laughs> we, can still, we can still talk about that because I got the VR, and like you guys both have the, the PSVR. No, don't, yeah. no, no video game talk. We had the, Ogre and I had this conversation earlier. We're not allowed to talk about <laughs> no GoldenEye, no N64. <laughs> well, did I tell you guys, uh, it's, 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 it's been a while since you've been on the show, but I actually had an, an official um, moratorium on talking about a particular N64 game. No, I know. I saw on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, so I I officially don't even mention it anymore. I said, with the exception, if for whatever reason... I can never get like an interview with anyone involved in that game, then I will definitely talk about it. But until then, it's like mm. the conversation is closed. But we do have PSVR. So like that is a <laughs> that is a thing. I just got that game Shooty Fruity that's uh, pretty fun. But listen, let's focus here. And I'm telling I'm, <laughs> I'm telling that to myself. Uh, so maybe talk to me a bit about just the production on um, Calico Braun as a whole, because the the album just has yeah. such a nice fat sound to it. Like it's a, it's a good time. It's got a flavor, that one. I was talking to Dallas about this briefly earlier, but I was talking about, like, I got these two Raxons, which is the Kawhi K1R and the Yamaha TX81Z. And both of them, are, well, one the, the Yamaha is a FM sense. It's a bit like a DX7, which more people would be familiar with. But the TX81Z is only four operators, but it can do more waveforms. And then the Kawhi K1R is a rumpler. The company took like samples and transients and stuff, and then uh, they sort of loop them and make them into sounds. It's a bit like um, you've got a load of these sampled waveforms, then you stack them together, and it makes these synth sounds. Both are from the 80s. Both are super crunchy sounding digital synths. And I use them a lot on the album. So that's like the one thing. Let's unpack some of this here. Yeah. For anyone who is like uh, a layman... All right, because I'm sort of a layman. <laughs> so rack synths are just like a box that basically like sits on a shelf. So it's a, it's a synth. It's got sounds right. in it, but you still need to connect it to an actual physical like keyboard to make music. So it's just like a- right. That's it. Yeah, you plug in a MIDI cable from a sequencer or a keyboard. It's just the same as any other synthesizer, but without a keyboard, basically. And they're usually an absolute pain to program. <laughs> Because it's usually right. like a two by eight, two by eight like LCD display, and then you have to dive through hundreds of menus to do anything. <laughs> but sometimes it's worth it. What is a transient? That's like the start of a note or start of a sound driver. So you like say you had like a snare sound. If you took like that of the snare, like the very like the pop right at the start and cut that, or like the pluck of a guitar, like that initial attack. Mm-hmm of the sound that's a transient what do you mean like if you only had that sound or if you cut that sound I think what they've done in like the Kawhi and like some of the other sort of romplers is they cut it and then like either loop it or they layer it with like a sustained version underneath but every time you hit a new note it would make that initial like attack attack sound and then it just what just like there's no fade or anything or like uh, you could program a fade in but yeah like on, on an actual transient thing that wouldn't I mean it would have like a natural kind of decay probably but what would you use a sound like that for like is that for melody or is that for like percussion like what what's its use oh e- either either like in the Kawhi k1 there's like tons of these waves i think they just call them waves but just various waveforms from sampled instruments that they've made you sort of just layer them together and you could make you could make drum sounds or you can make pads or uh leads and stuff the one cool thing i did with that in Calico Braun was 
if you take like the guitar-y sample thing they were the transient and then you put that through a guitar amp or a guitar amp simulator then you get the Jan Hammer Miami Vice guitar lead sound basically <laughs> right so what about the bass sounds? Because obviously, Sure Thing, mm. uh, several, I mean, Always Outnumbered, Never Outrun has it as well. Um, there's sort of like a, a bass sound that you use in, on a few tracks in this album. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, was that programmed like like on a synth or was that in a in the, uh, the DAW? I think those are actually just in... In the box, yeah. I'm pretty sure the bass sounds on that are all just a VST. I think I used the... I think it was UHE's Tyrol N6 or Tyrol N6, which is actually free, which is a Kraken digital like VST. And I remember I did it... I used the VST at the time was because I was very into layering uh, sub-bass underneath everything, just like a plain sine wave. I don't know, it's not it's not a very 80s production technique, but if you like lop off the end of your mid-range bass and then stick a sub-bass underneath and you get this real beefy dance floor kind of bass, right. <laughs> sub, sub-shaky bass thing. So I did that a lot. And that it lets you affect the mid-range bass more. You can put more, like a chorus on it and stereo effects and things like that that you can't do normally if you're concerned about like the low-end summing to mono and stuff like that. What made you buy those particular synths? Well, I've got a Kau- I had a Kawhi K4 beforehand and at the time <laughs> and you, I mean you both know me now and where I live and stuff. At the time I was like, oh these are small. Uh, I've got a Kawhi K4 I was like, Kawhi K1, it's like an earlier version, it's got like cool crunchy 8-bit sounds. I want a DX7 but I don't have space. <laughs> so I bought that and also at the time they were both only like 40 quid, you know, like uh, and this was when I do Calico Braun uh, end of 2012, start of 2013 so six years ago that was back when you could scoop up I mean, I mean, you could probably still get them for a good price, but like they were dirt cheap. No one wanted them. How long had Calico Braun been out before I contacted you? It's a good question. Was it fresh? When did you contact me? Like 2013. Yeah. I think we recorded the show in April, so I must have reached out to you. Yeah, it would have been fairly soon after. I think I put it out in March. <laughs> now that we're talking about production, it's making me rethink yeah. the silly questions I've ever talked to people about. Because <laughs> we always end up talking about other shit. Yeah. And I just realized, you know, obviously like sure thing is one of my favorite things mm. and i don't think i've ever asked you like what your motivation was oh for in making in making that album like did you did you go into calico brawn with a purpose oh yeah like i overdosed i'd watched like the entire of miami vice series right one okay yeah, five, so, yeah like okay, that okay. winter it's like one of my songier albums probably yes it is less soundtracky but it was a fun one the uh, the other cool thing oh that's that always that number never outrun probably go back to that the cool thing in that track is the tom rolls those are cool i think i'm still really happy with how they came out and that was using the phil collins in the air tonight drum roll trick thing where you stick this uh I think it's an SSL talkback mic compressor on the drums and then it makes them real big and roomy and super compressed or whatever but I can't use it on my new computer because <laughs> I don't think they make a 64-bit version but anyone using 32-bit version should scoop that up because and that was like a digital uh, like a vst uh um yeah yeah it's it's a free it was free on the ssl's website it's like a emulation it's a great little plugin so if you want big toms <laughs> that's one way to do it i like big toms who doesn't robin's always got big toms <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let's listen to some more fucking Dallas Campbell. Hell yeah. And then we'll do some more talking. So this was uh, a track that I dug. I think this was the first thing I heard of yours, not to retread our meeting, but I remember you out of the blue <laughs> just sent me Origin Seeds. You're like, hey, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were the first one or... It had to have been like the first like few people who ever sent me like a Bandcamp code, really, with an album, right? Yeah, yeah like because because I always associate Origin Seeds with being one of the first albums that was sent to me, <laughs> where you're just like, hey man, like, and I'm looking at like the Bandcamp slash Yum, <laughs> and like trying to figure mm. out like what to do with the code and stuff. And I mean, now that's how people send me stuff all the time. But like, I think you were the first one. I remember that. Nice. And I dug the sound <laughs> of this one. I mean, if anyone wants to go back and listen when we we first talked, and I think it was like episode. 20 or somewhere around there uh, that, uh, you know, the, the sound of this album and just the artwork and stuff always just reminded me of um, of finding some bizarre 70s vinyl <laughs> album that would be like in someone's collection somewhere. Like, you know, if your parents had like a stack of vinyls and you'd pull this thing out with the fucking, the, the kind of pot leave looking artwork. <laughs> just, just the right. sound of it, because it just totally just reminded me of these kind of weird electronic albums I would hear when I was young, you know, that really conjured that sort of late 70s, you know, early, early 80s kind of vibe. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and that's what this whole album kind of felt like to me. And this song's great. This is Stardust by Dallas Campbell. <laughs> Oh, 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 
That was Stardust by Dallas Campbell off the album uh, Origin Seeds. And that starts with that creepy uh, <laughs> sample. Of, is that, that's your kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my daughter. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Daddy, daddy. <laughs> I love that track. I love that track so well, much. Well, this track, I love the um, the fucking. <laughs> have you ever? Yeah. I'm I'm sure we've talked about this, and I've probably asked you before, but have you ever listened to Milkways? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yes, yeah, because that's they're, that's they're what, incredible. Yeah, because that's what. Um, when I listen to your stuff, like that's where my brain goes. Like if you ever, you know what? One of <laughs> yeah. these days, and I, and I know you've made like funny videos in the past uh, where you've done joking stuff. I would love to make a music video for like one of the tracks on this album, and all you have to do is just film yourself on a green screen uh-huh. playing a keyboard. <laughs> And maybe put on like some sort of leotard or something, like, and I'll do the rest because like that's what needs to happen with this album is there needs to be a music video where you're on the green screen and we don't really key out the green screen properly because it has to be like legitimate like yeah, late seventies right. early eighties. So you you have to see that sort of grain of like the shadow and maybe even the line of like the corner of the room where the green screen stops. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then get like the handheld camera work where the background stays the same, but the people are like being like zoomed in and out. Oh yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing. Like there needs to be a picture of you somewhere with the glowing eyes, like the Milkways guys. It, well, you know what? The, the Milkways guys never had shirts. That's true. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they never wore shirts. That in there. In the, <laughs> I'm not sure I ever saw a video of those dudes or a picture video where they ever had a shirt on. None of them. No. <laughs> I only um I don't think I've ever seen a video at all. I've only seen the the cover artwork of their one album where there's just like these three dudes with their shirts off and they have glowing white eyes. <laughs> and it says Milkways. I think I've I think se- I've seen them playing at l- some of the songs live and they d- they were they didn't have shirts on then either. Yeah, cuz that song the, the, Yeah, they, if they any yeah, everybody should look that band up. They're awesome. If well, you like that that sound of like the late 70s disco synth, they're they're like probably my favorite of that their one song is like became like the theme song for my son when he was young because i always used to play that and i made like some like family video where like that was the theme song of it like i would play that song and then my son would be running around and their track uh, galactic reaction was fucking you know (laughs) anyway that song's amazing like it's a fucking great anyway enough about them so Origin Seeds. This was sort of like a, a kind of a concept album thing. Do you remember like what you were doing production wise? Yeah, there was a lot of production on that album. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was I was doing a lot, a lot more than I do now. It, mm. I think a lot of the sound of that. I, I was trying to make everything just as wide and huge as possible, and I was. I, absolutely everything I recorded through the Dimension D. So what is, what is that? It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this... <laughs> uh, it's like a phase shifter from the se- late 70s. Roland made these the studio effects series. And I, I had, at one time, I had all of them. They had a vocoder and phaser. And anyway, the Dimension D, I mean, it's sort of like a chorus phase shift or something. But it's just magic. It's just a preset. It has four buttons. And that's... You press one of the four buttons. <laughs> so when I recorded all of the bass, I pushed button number one, and I recorded it through that thing. And then uh, as, you know, the higher-end stuff, I would 
use the the more spatial stuff, but that a lot of that album is lo- the Dimension D. Dimension D. Well, it sounds cool. It kind of has that 80s vibe, I guess. I mean, since I asked Robin about that, just, you know, like what made him, I'm talking about you in third person now, dude. Uh, <laughs> you know, by, by uh, you know, those particular synths. Obviously, you, Dallas, and you're a person I bring up on the show fairly, fairly regularly as a guy who basically lives in like a keyboard warehouse Um, (laughs) it's dumb Um, (laughs) you're gonna be one of those dudes on hoarders where they're just like and he just wouldn't stop and you're just gonna be like this withered dude in the corner with like (laughs) newspapers and keyboards and they're gonna find cats underneath them (laughs) so what makes you like when you go and acquire a new keyboard like do you know what you're getting before you get it or are you the kind of dude that just like finds like some like some electronic store that's like hey we got this fucking you know this this fucking dr22 from 81 <laughs> you just go like all right i'll take it like do you no, uh, do well, you know what you're getting or what when i well when i first started getting more into since there weren't youtube videos of, of like since or anything <laughs> right i mean you didn't know and i was like what is, i don't know what what year i it was probably late 90s i started getting interested in since i was like what the heck is analog and you i mean there wasn't much information back then i think the one website vintage sense or whatever uh, the one yeah, that, I know, you know what, what i'm mean. talking about yeah, yeah but yeah. they always had bad ratings and i'm like so people <laughs> people right. want these but they sound like shit and i'd find like one video there'd be one damn video on youtube of like a mo a, a moog rogue and it would just be like this fart sound with no effects yeah. under <laughs> Was the idea that uh, people were reviewing them poorly because they, at that time, like, uh, retro synth wasn't in, so, like... No, it was not in, but... I was in a metal band at the time, and I but and we wanted a keyboard, and I was like, I, I've I've heard analog stuff's cool, but I had no idea what that even meant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. That's like weirdly similar to how I got into it as well. I bought a Korg Electro because I was in a metal band, and we were like, we need someone to play keyboards, but no one can do it. And I was like, okay, I'll just get a sequencer. So many people start in metal bands. This scene is crazy yeah. for that. <laughs> There's a lot, like it, it's it's almost everyone's story. Is like, right. like, yeah, that's, that's that's exactly how I started. You know what you should do? Why don't you do a series of? Because uh, you got a cool voice, like uh, you're you know you're like a fun personality. You you must have like a hundred keyboards now. You should do like a video series on YouTube where you just talk about all the things you've acquired. Yeah. I'd watch it. I probably should have years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like the ship sailed. I think the the cat's out of the bag on since now everybody could could identify any. I mean, if you take a picture of a knob and post it, to, uh, they, they get a million people that could be like, "Oh, that's from a <laughs> sequential circuits multi track," or you know, it's easy to figure it out now. Because you got the mm. YouTube is just full of the videos, and that, but it's great. But not so much from um, like oftentimes it's just like it's it's personality based, right? Because obviously there's right. all these nerds on the internet who just be like, "Here's my Nintendo DS collection" or something. You know, like <laughs> we can all have access to those ROMs, right? But there is something compelling based on just the person's actual like love for the stuff or interest, right? right? And right. so if it was just like hmm. you know Dallas's synth corner, and like every episode you just have like. 10 minutes of like noodling around with some random keyboard and then <laughs> I sort of do that every Friday night just on my own 
Well, I mean, I know you have your Instagram, your, your Instagram feed, and and on Twitter sometimes, or and on Facebook, where I'll see you post those little videos, and I'll watch them, where it's just like you from behind in a hoodie, and you're just like surrounded <laughs> yeah. by things like fucking like like a Doctor Who console of just keyboards, and it's just like I, sometimes I don't know enough to know exactly what it is that's going on. Like I'll see you press some buttons on like a gray box, and all of a sudden there'll be like some lights that kind of like scroll down the side of it, and then like some synths start playing and it seems really fun and engaging it is i mean th- this is why i don't leave the house anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah you, i just i have a you know I, i'll i'll kind of switch out my gear every few days and yeah on a friday i'll set myself up with some tape echo and something interesting happening with a sequencer and i pretty much just <laughs> sit in here and be like push a key and be like ooh yeah. that's cool <laughs> just, I'm not recording anything I'm just it's pretty much just like oh wow ooh. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and my wife's like in the other room like looking at me like god he's such a nerd yeah. <laughs> like honey this is so cool she's like mm-hmm, yep yeah. <laughs> yeah well listen let's uh let's let's play play some fucking ogre here and we'll move this along this was from 194 this was technically before calico baron right this is ancient history now this was uh from 2012 whoa yeah you were writing this as the world was blowing up you remember that i did <laughs> anyways <Yep>. this was uh, <laughs> This track uh, was cool. This whole album was uh, was a cool sort of like soundtrack album. This was a track I dug called End Credits, which is the more kind of, I guess, songy track on this one. And, uh, and it's cool. So let's uh, listen to that. This is End Credits by Ogre.
And that was End Credits by Ogre from the album 194, because I feel as though you probably have several tracks called End Credits. <laughs> yeah. I think, you, I think, I we, think we have one. We have one or two. <laughs> we have at least one. Well, I'd say between, unlike All Hallows and End Credits, it's not End Credits on Night of Living Dead. There's an End Credits on Calico Noir. Yep. I think there's a... Might be an end titles on 195, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. It's important. you got to wrap that stuff up. <laughs> See, now, now that you have so many tracks called end credits, you need to put end credits then in brackets and remind the person what the album is. For people like me who uh, who listen on uh, on shuffle sometimes. But what was uh, what was going on? Because obviously this was before Calico Bronze. So like, what was your... Um, what sort of techniques were you using back when you made uh, this one? It was a lot more stripped back... Kind of, I was very into concrete architecture <laughs> and stuff, and brutalism and things like that. And I was trying to reflect that aestheticism in music. So there was a lot of like white noise drums and stuff on most of the album. That last track, though, I remember that was one of the first times I think I recorded a synth through distortion, and that's what that wow 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 kind of sireny bassy noise thing is. Mm. I don't think I've ever done a impression of a synth on this show before. <laughs> But that was the first, first ever thing. But that's like that's like a uh, uh, TB three hundred three baseline kind of thing going on. Where I think it's got something called hard sync going on on it, where you have like two oscillators, but they're kind of forced to stay in tune with each other. But you detune to one, and then you get that weird kind of timbre going on. Listen to you. And then yeah, it's got these real big overcompressed drums and an orchestra thing going on as well. Yeah, I think that's like the, that's that track. It's a bit of a banger if I remember rightly. Yeah, no, and it's I, a good song. Those drums are real big. And I can't tell you how I did it cuz I can't quite remember, but I know it was like probably a healthy dose of compression. I remember I at the time I wasn't doing like I wasn't really concerned with authenticity when it came to snares and bass drums and things like that so I was like doing a lot of layering mm. which some I did on 195 which I think we'll talk about later possibly I don't know but yeah, <laughs> maybe <just> maybe <laughs> the, 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 we'll see <laughs> it depends on you I guess but um yeah so you two when it when it comes time to actually like record stuff into the machine so Robin you've been yeah. pretty consistently using Ableton right like is that your yeah yeah I'm still using it now I haven't I've got a new one but I haven't because I'm working on so many projects at the moment, I haven't upgraded. I'm still on eight, and I've got ten, like, waiting to download. So you, you just bypass nine completely? Yeah, I'm just going to skip nine. We'll just go straight to ten. Are you excited? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I think they've got... I think they finally put in a lot of features and stuff that people have been asking for for a, a while. Because at the moment, like, in eight, I can't draw curved automation and stuff. Just everything's a straight line. You just have to do a lot of little straight lines to make a curve, whereas I know they put that in, like, the one. So, yeah, like, it's still... I'm There's still no in the curved past. automation. Nine eight, I think in nine years <laughs> and ten there is, but like I'm making retro music on like retro software. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like finding the time to install something, and you know when you upgrade, like everything goes bloody wrong, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got to reauthorize everything, and it's like oh, that's my ma- never upgrade. That's my mantra. I know, never upgrade. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. Really, all I want is a glorified tape machine, right? Just a glorified sequencer and tape machine where I can record things in and then mix it. I guess that's several things, but like that's all it has to be, basically. Have you dabbled with other software or is that just been? Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've used quite a bit 
in the past i started with like acid pro which is still going i think it's like i think it's on acid pro 7 now or something i saw there was a humble deal the other day to get it for 30 with 30 dollars or something with soundforge and a couple of other bits but uh ableton just kind of stuck i don't know why i just i liked the look of it i guess i don't think the sound quality's up there though it's it's a weird thing like dallas's friend david who does our mastering together. <laughs> the Klug, yeah. The Klug. He, I think, I think, I think Dallas has told me before, but he reckons there's like quality differences between certain doors. I think. I think he's full of shit. You think he's full of shit? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, don't know, know if there's much of a difference, but I don't. He, uh, he uses Pro Tools. Yeah. I use Logic. Yeah. I use Logic Nine. I think. I don't think I've upgraded. Never upgrade. Never outrun, man. I just need something to record audio. Really, I don't, I don't really care what it is. It just needs to record. Yeah. I use Logic Ten just to record this show, so I'm not exactly um, using its features. Let's put it that way. But I do hit record from time to time, and I see two channels of audio going. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm well, sure Logic Solid it. though, like Logic's great i will say this though i've i've made like silly tracks using you know fl studio mm. formerly fruity loops i think they got sued yeah. or something by the serial and so like they don't even call it fruity <laughs> loops anymore it's like rpg video games now how they've all sort of merged and they're all kind of the same mm. where it's like you know back in the day you'd be like oh like this game's got this cool like making potions feature and this one's got this upgrade armor feature and now like everyone kind of has all the same features mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah. almost just like whether or not you like the aesthetic and with most DAWs, yeah. like I've tried, it's like they all sort of do the same thing. But I know when I'm like trying to make like a baseline or something, I find it so much easier to do an FL Studio than Logic. Like with Logic, you have to right. sort of like if you're doing it all digitally, you have to drag out your where you're going to put your MIDI notes. Like you have to like set the parameter in advance of like. Yeah, I think Logic is not good for MIDI and. If you're gonna do that sort of thing, right? Isn't isn't compared to Ableton? I think Logic is crap for MIDI, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ableton's I mean, all right. I mean, it's sort of crap. I I can see that it's kind of crap. I don't use I don't use MIDI a ton, so but I think it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you're also <laughs> doing. I gather you play a lot of your synth though, like live into the thing, though, right? I mean, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't do a ton of the MIDI right. stuff. Ogre is an absolute master at that. <laughs> With that, that that TX synth that he was talking about in the K. I mean, nobody else can make that make those synths sound that good. <laughs> He's just, You're very kind because they're a night. They're in. They are a nightmare to program. It's just a nightmare. Uh, yeah, they are. They are absolute <laughs> bloody nightmare. They are a head splitting nightmare to be honest. But it's very kind of you to say so, dude. Like. <laughs> Wouldn't necessarily ra- recommend Raxims to anyone. <laughs> and uh, it's not fun. It's not like fun, like turning a knob. That's fun. No, you don't get sitting that there looking feedback. some terrible digital display, pushing some stupid button that <laughs> may or may not work like a hundred times. Like, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolute pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, let's um, we'll listen to some more music here, and then we'll we'll be talking. <laughs> this was a Dallas Campbell track from the album Pagoda, and. And this is a cool one. This was called Spice <laughs> by uh, Dallas Camp.
And that was Spice by Dallas Campbell from the album Pagoda. That was from 2014. I think I've got your tracks in a muddled order because <laughs> the next ones the next ones I want to play are from 2013. And I know you live like a crazy party guy and you might not remember. Uh, <laughs> what's what's no, going I, on? I, I remember. Pagoda, that whole album, I just that's when I first got the Paraphonic, the uh, Roland RS505 like stringer. And... Um, I think I I wrote the last song on it just the day I got it just fiddling around and I was like oh man this the string sound is so smooth and nice on that thing that entire album is just that the SH101 and the Pro 1 and a CR78 I pretty much just wanted to keep it clean you know just <laughs> I wanted to enjoy the synths <laughs> on that album and just let them do their thing so that's why it's less produced I guess so when when you're like making tunes, then are you just letting yourself like get in the groove? Yeah. When you're like forming them. Yeah, I, especially on for that. I, I think it took me a month just to do the entire thing and have it out. <laughs> what do you start with? Like, what to you gets you going when uh, you start building a track? Like, do you, do you like to start with a beat? Like, do you like to play with some pads and stuff? That album, I I was pretty much using the uh sh101 to start tracks all those like rhythmic bass things <laughs> the, the bass sequences are pretty much all the 101 i use samples of a cr78 i, I think i started uh, yeah i would just start with the 101 and then i think i only use the pro one for percussion sounds symbol and the the wind the pro the, the pro one is the greatest wind machine the wind, pro one through the dimension d is the greatest wind sound if you want that whoosh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> could you like lay down a wind sound and then be like yeah and then like start grooving on top of it or is that like a last minute addition to the track i mean yeah if i'm adding the wind sound that's usually just the final because i you know I do it all in one take. Can I say something? <laughs> Dallas is like so particular about the wind sounds. It's amazing. He does it all by hand. Like all the filter sweeps and stuff. Like most people would just stick an LFO on it, right? You know, and uh, it will yeah, automate. I can't. I can't do it. I have. I have to do it by hand. Just have like maximum control over it, and it's awesome. It's because like the dynamics of the wind is it's amazing. <laughs> just. <like. I'm- laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that one album that was just one. Song. It was that thirty-minute track, and I, I remember all because I I just all do all of my my odd my modulation and crap. I do it by hand because I can't stand the LFO stuff too much. But yeah, that one was tedious because it's a half an hour sitting there doing wind. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. I don't, uh, you know, I didn't like that. Kurt, that gust. I need to redo that one gust. And I just start over. Half an hour of wind. That was on Chihuahua, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember Dallas texting me at the time, being like, "Got to re-record that wind." <laughs> the wind like has to be perfect. <laughs> it was worth it that's, that's a cracking album I think what I like about both your guys uh, stuff and obviously the, the more standout um, music that I hear in the scene or you know when listening to retro electronic music and stuff is there's definitely something you feel when people actually like care about what they're doing or at least care enough. I mean, like, if you're sitting there going, like, I've got to tweak the fucking wind, whereas I know that I'm sent 
music from people that sounds very generic. Mm. You know, like I get I get a lot of that stuff where it's kind of like it's just generic sounding and they take the same sample of a cassette going in a machine and pressing play that, you know, like 50 other artists have already put at the start of their song. There's no like love behind it. It's very sort of mechanical. Right. Right. And I, f- I feel the difference. And maybe I'm being pretentious here when I say that, but like I do, like you can tell when people are like, I think I'm making cool music right now. It's interesting. I think, I don't know if like I'm in a position to give advice or whatever, but I think the thing that both Dallas and I do is let the gear or let whatever we're using inform the music. So you make a sound from scratch, that's your sound then, and no one else will have it. And you're automatically going to sound a little bit different. Do you know? Yeah. That's one way. I, I did a sample pack after I did 195 and I put that in the Synthwave Producers group and I actually deleted it because all of a sudden I could hear my drums everywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I went absolutely spare. I was like, geez, like I even put a note in the pack saying like, take these sounds, like process them further. You know, it's not, it's not hard to stick like another reverb, gated reverb or, um, you know, whatever on them, pitch them up, pitch them down, change them. Right. And make it your own, like take it further. <laughs> I took him down and someone was like, oh, what do you use for toms? I saw it like this was a while back and mm. someone was like, oh, I used that pack, that, uh, that 195 sample pack that was in here a while ago. Oh, it's been deleted. And then someone was like, oh, I'll re-upload it for you. And then there it goes. It just continues on again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I guess that's the thing when you put something out, you've got no control over what happens to it. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I put them up so people could use them, obviously, but I just got miffed i was i was i guess it wasn't it was just a bit sad really because <laughs> like you'd make things easier for someone or you want to kickstart something because that's what that's kind of why i use samples for in my music i'd say is to like you get inspired and it will generate an idea and that can be from a drum sound or a bass sound or you know a sample library in contact or whatever yeah and it makes you create but if you're just using things verbatim, i think there's a time and a place for presets and stuff for sure because you know that lets you get work done if you haven't got much time, but you can still do things, even small things to make, you know, something more original or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or unique or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, it's very hard to... No, 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 <laughs> no you're right. articulate this shit. No, no, you're right. I mean, because I, I hear it too, and I always find it funny because, like, I don't consider myself a musician at all, and so when I hear music where I start to recognize, like, FL Studio presets in a track... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It... It immediately cheapens the song for me because I know the sound. Yeah. So, like, if I'm like listening to someone doing electronic music and I'm like, oh, that's that TS404 plugin, and they've literally used the default sound, and I recognize it. Sometimes there are sounds I really like. So, the Korg, the. Um, the M1? Uh, uh, not the M1, the fucking Poly. Poly 6. Oh, right. So yeah. the Poly 6 has a bass line called, like, fucking smooth fat bass or something. It's, like, it's literally <laughs> default number one. And I love that bass sound. It's so simple. Isn't that the TX? No, no. Andy means in the, I think, the VST of the Poly 6. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like, like yeah. I don't, I don't have it. And you've got the OG. Yeah, I was thinking, like, what's he talking about? How's it named? <laughs> it's, I, oh, think yeah. it's, I think it's named, uh, yeah, like, in, in the plug-in anyways, it's just named, like, okay. fat fat bass or something. It's literally, like, it's the number one thing, yeah. like, when you okay. boot up the synth. I think I think in the default version of the Poly 6 VST, I think there's, like, 25 samples or something like that. Like, it's not many. Right. It's, like, it's, it's a small amount. But that bass is awesome. But whenever I would use it, and again, this is talking as a guy who doesn't really make music, but, like... <laughs> I, I would like fatten it up by doing um, like I would lay it down and then I would lay down the same notes but then pitch the bass line down a, 
octave or whatever yeah. and then have it up an octave and kind of have those playing from like different speakers like kind of more on the left and more on the right and it just like nice. made it, it made it sound nice and fat like I did that for some of my joke songs yeah. so my barometer when people send me music is like if I think that my music is better than theirs then I don't usually play their <laughs> stuff on the show right like that's <laughs> and that's a simple thing it's just like I've got a song like you know <laughs> singing about titties and stuff and I'm like if I sit there and go like I think my song's better than this then it doesn't get a pass like that's my that's my system right. you know like every time I hear like default sounds it just seems lazy to me it just seems like it immediately makes me feel like this person doesn't try or they didn't care like that's that's what it feels like to me because I get the exact opposite feeling when I hear a cool sound that I haven't heard before right right I feel that I feel that way when I watch movies with with interesting yeah. sound design I feel that way when I listen to music if someone has a cool sound I'm just like whoa like that is a cool fucking sound yeah. it, it feels cool you know it's like when watching like the new Blade Runner movie and those weird, weird bass, mm. those, those, uh, I don't even know how the hell to describe them. Like, yeah, but you know what that was done on? That was done on the CS80, those crazy bass noises. That was done on the same instrument that Van Gallis used to make the mm. original Blade Runner Blues, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Right. All the sound, like those big bass noises that Hans Zim was doing was using the CS80, but in a different way. And isn't that fucking cool? Like, regardless of what you think, of the, like anyone thinks of the soundtrack, like the fact that they took one of the most desired sort of instruments, like synthesizers rather, ever made, and then do something that wasn't that thing, but is so in keeping and so new and interesting, but with this fucking ancient piece of technology, this analog technology. Like, I think that's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's even hard. Like, I, I always have difficulty trying to describe it because I don't know. When I first saw the film, I didn't know totally how I felt about yeah, yeah. the score. Like, I, I knew I liked it, but I was like, was I expecting more melody? Like, I don't know what, but definitely it was like, it caught my attention and it was interesting and weird and experimental, like those kind of motorcycle sounds where it's it's music, yeah, but yeah. it's, you know, like there's that shot of like Ryan Gosling where he's like sitting eating dinner or something like outside and those uh, the, the ladies <laughs> walk up to him and it's just that and like that's the music. Yeah. It sounds like a bull roar. But I yeah. think that's the CS80 again. I think they were just doing some crazy stuff with the aftertouch that mm-hmm. like, you just hit a low note, which I think is this, this. That's the secret, by the way, to presets. When we were talking about presets, I didn't want to make it sound like I don't use them because that Yamaha TX eight one Z that I mentioned earlier, that's like all presets, right? Apart from one bank and like the Kawaii K one, like I've used some of the stuff on that, or the D fifty as well. Like that's all presets, but because that thing is impossibly hard to program, pretty much. You can mess with like <laughs> some of the layers on it, but it is so damn difficult unless you have the programmer. Which Dallas does, but I'm, I'm a D50. Just it's still, I have the programmer, and I still, it's still, I, I can't mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do mess with it, and I, I still get lost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> the PG1000. I, I want to keep talking, but we need to listen to some music because it's been a few minutes. So, uh, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's listen to this little track from uh, Calico Noir. This was Ogre. Uh, and this was hard boiled in brackets flashback, which is a, a wicked song, and we're gonna listen to that right now.
And that was Hard Boiled, in brackets, Flashback, uh, by Ogre off the album Calico Noir. And I'm here with Ogre and Dallas Campbell. Hey. Hi there. Hi, guys. We're having a good time. Oh, We're yeah. talking uh, production stuff and keyboards and things. I'm real glad you picked this track, actually, as well as Always Outnumbered, Never Outrun, because obviously the albums are kind... Well, I remember sending you both and you were like, it's not quite... I can't remember what I called it originally. Maybe I just called it Calico Braun 2 and you're like, it's not quite Calico Braun 2. And I was like, I know, it's like a similar but different kind of thing. But this track was like a remix almost of Always Outnumbered, Never Outrun, or at least taking some of the same ideas like that. Mm. Austin Art and Baseline thing, that's very similar, kind of. I think it might be in a different key or whatever, I can't quite remember, but it's similar. <laughs> yeah, like, this was a cool album. It definitely had more of um, almost like maybe like a Tangerine Dream vibe, mm. cinematic yep. style. So I remember that's what I said, because when you sent it to me, I was... I listened to it and like it's a cool album like there's lots of really great songs and this one's my favorite I like it just because I'm I'm picturing in my head just because a lot of the songs in your more um, cinematic albums they have these kind of ups and downs and so I'm imagining like the scenes that are playing out like while this is going yeah and it's sort of it almost builds to like what would be a wicked um, song for like a show or something like like a title sequence yeah where it's like the, the first part of the song is like the little cold open before the title sequence kicks in yeah and there's lots of like cars flying through the air and like cops shooting at stuff. <laughs> but what, uh, yeah, so what was going on when you were uh, making this one? I think this was one of the first things I used the Cork Monopoly on, which was like a big mm. yep. moment for me. I remember like I was best in Dallas being like, what's the best CV to MIDI controller I can get for this thing? And Dallas being like, you got to get the, this Kenton Pro Solo 2. And I was like, okay, so I got it. And it was worth it. that thing is awesome that's my probably my favorite synth that i have so why you can do pretty much anything with it right it can do polyphonic well paraphonic chords it's got four oscillators so you can play a four note chord and then you can make these huge bass noises it's got like a cross mod section and a sync section the filter is awesome two lfos and arpeggiator it's got like the works it's like an amazing synthesizer you can make so much music with that one thing and we we did like when dallas and i worked on the space odyssey stuff and some of our other things like so much of that is just this thing and dallas is pro one sequential circuits pro one because you can do so much with just like we were kind of doing the same sort of thing with like those synths but separately you can make like a whole track with just that one synth like you do like all the hi-hats with it and all and the kick drum and the bass line and the melody and the chords and like everything it's just such a versatile instrument and it's just damn fun to play it can do like john carpenter and then it can do like depeche mode stuff and then you can make all these other weird sounds and it's just a real fun one and it's delicate as hell <laughs> this one it really needs a service like yeah um, someone please call send robin any information with for a tech yeah so we can get his service i think i found a guy up in bristol who i'm gonna try nice in that email <laughs> soon because that's not that far away so since you guys actually, you know, are, are using a lot of physical gear, I mean, what yeah. is what's the protocol when shit starts to fuck up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to have a person, a guy. Dallas has got a really good guy. I have a guy. I have a guy. He's in Florida. So you got to ship it. Like you got to ship it every time. Like I got to ship it. It's it's yeah. Fingers crossed that it doesn't <laughs> end up in a million pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you ever 
considered I'm at a point in my life where I'm no longer going to open up a piece of electronics right because I I learned some horrible lessons yes I remember I've cracked an iPhone in half I've cracked a <laughs> fucking iMac screen like I'm I'm done yeah. opening stuff up yep <laughs> but if you guys ever like watch videos and like attempted like hey you know maybe I can solder this fucking thing together oh I've done some synth hospital surgery before but very minor <laughs> Well, yeah, I had like I had I've a thing going on minor. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only minor because I had a thing going on Twitter called Synth Hospital for a bit, where I very badly try and fix shit. That Korg electrode I've got, I pushed a button so many times that the contacts inside had like worn out. Mm. So I got something called Kaikoat something or other which is I think they only make it in America or they don't make it here so I had to import it and it's like for repairing TV remote buttons so I took the thing to bits I didn't have an Allen key to open up the case because Korg don't want you messing with shit like a guy came to fix the boiler the one time and he dropped his Allen key and it turned out it fitted it so he was out to open up the sense. <laughs> and then I like painstakingly like painted the whole all the little contacts with this little silver paint and then you have to cure the paint under a hot light or whatever, and uh, <laughs> so it will conduct. And then, like, you have to leave it for a day. And I was like, "Oh boy, I sure hope this is dry." <laughs> when I put it back together, and then, of course, like some of the buttons like do their own thing now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's got a mind of its own. Like it starts playing and stopping. I mean, sometimes it works fine, and other times you turn it on, it's like, "What the hell are you playing at?" Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, only ever very minor things. I'm crap at soldering. I'm so bad at it. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever actually soldered in my life, so I'm sure I would be horrible at it. I think I've inhaled a lot of fumes doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm terrible at it. Awful. Man, so that, that must be such a pain in the ass. Like, do you ever see it coming? Like, are you, like, working on a synth and you slowly start to see, like, ah, fuck. Yeah. She's dying. <laughs> yeah. With the monopoly, for sure. <laughs> well, you, you still use it. Yeah, it's still good. You still get it out and, like, maybe, man, maybe I'll get it out and see what, <laughs> see what <laughs> it's, it's doing today. It's working well at the moment. <laughs> I just invested in this really cool noise reduction pr- plugin as well to remove the hum without <laughs> messing with the phase of any of the stuff. It's got a real clever way of doing it, and that's sorted me for now. Well, that's cool. I did do one cool thing fairly recently, which was make a voltage-controlled Walkman. I mean, it does, the, it does work, but Dallas got this, like, Crudman thing, which is also a voltage control Walkman, but it's one you can actually play like a Mellotron with a cassette. There's a lot of words there. I just heard. Uh, there's sorry. a. I have a. There's a Walkman. I have. I have two Walkmans that I can plug either a. I could plug a MIDI cable into both of them and control the speed with a keyboard. So I it will. This dude makes them so you can play. If you you can make a whole tape or a tape loop of you know a choir with you know oh, and then you can play it with like you can control the speed of the Walkman and play notes so I have two of those and I made my own but Robin made his own I don't even think I understand what you're saying <laughs> so <laughs> we can leave it if you want so the Walkman is yeah. an actual Walkman that's not like a name of some crazy right. device no, you're talking about an actual Walkman a tape Walkman. player a, a t- a, yes a cassette player that has a, yeah. a MIDI cable that you can connect to it yeah or CV or yes Either, yes, either of those. So then the Walkman itself has a tape in there that just has some sort of long sound on it. Yeah, just one note. And then you, by playing the keyboard, change the speed of that note. You, the yeah, you change the, the speed the of the motor, motor of the Walkman. But then what would yeah. that produce? What sort of sound does that produce? It's like a sampler. Yeah, it's just, you know, it. it so if the Walkman slows down, then the, the note is lower, you know, but, and it, it's... 
fixed, so you know if you're playing a C, it plays the C. It, it plays the Walkman at the speed that will produce the C note. Robin was a, what did he use that coma thing, right? Yeah, I took a Walkman to bits. I soldered. I cut off the wires to the motor and then reattached them to like a little DC plug, and then that goes into this other thing I've got, which can control. It does control voltage, so notes to DC out, and then you press play on the Walkman and put your note in, and then you can control the speed of the Walkman and assign that the value in voltages to notes so you can play like melodies with it and stuff. Jesus, you're like a fucking scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty, probably one of the nerdiest things I've done, but it's pretty cool sounding. <laughs> That's insane, man. Listen, we got to listen to more music. Cause, uh, <laughs> uh, let's do a Dallas track. Yeah. Now, again, I'm doing your shit all in the wrong order here, but this was a cool track. Uh, Portals. It's from the Protostellar phase, if I am not mistaken. And, uh, and this is a cool track, and we're going to listen to it.
right, and that was Portals. Uh, and I'm saying that because there's three Zs or Zs for you Yanks at the end of the word. <laughs> at the end of the word Portal by Dallas Campbell. And I'm here with the Ogre and Dallas Campbell, and we're talking about uh, production stuff. So this one, I, I, I dug this song. I like that sort of... That thing going on in the back, like, <laughs> and then you've got this these nice fat fucking bang sounds that kind of come in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote that for a video. My friend and I made, were making videos at the time, and I I wrote that for that. But I remember, I think I had a, a micro brute. That's that's doing the sequence like that main do 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 do. Okay, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's a micro boot. The Pro One is the base, but I was using a lot of digital stuff. I think I had a DS8, like a Korg DS8. Oh right, an M1 and a DS8. I think that's a lot of the chords and stuff. I think that's what I was using. Oh, and a a DP4 and Sonic DP4. I think I was using to process a lot of it at that time. How many things can you have plugged in at a time at your house? Do you just have like a floor full of fucking power bars? (laughs) (laughs) My room is sort of narrow, so I have outlets along each wall, so I sort of have racks here and there of synths that, that are all plugged in, you know. I don't have it completely wired, but I can kind of switch around what's turned on and what what I, what's plugged in pretty easily. Have you ever like blown a fuse while making music? Uh, one time I think when I was making uh, uh, Magic Happen, that Ballooner Take Flight album, mm. I my poly that Korg Poly Six, it's like shorted out and it shocked the the shit out of me, and I think it made the power go <laughs> shut the house. How did it, <laughs> how did, how did it send power through you? I don't know. <laughs> what, no, like, what were you touching, right? Because, I mean, like, could it, it. conduct through the I was just touching keys? it. Okay, okay, no, okay. I, the, it has a metal case, and I right, touched yeah. the metal case to okay. turn it off. It was acting weird, and it was really hot, and when I touched the case, it was just like... <laughs> yeah, I think I think it made the power, like, flicker or turn off, and it, it died. It completely fried it. Mm. I had to send it to my guy yeah. in Florida. <laughs> off to Florida with you, Poly6. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah, that was probably the closest. And at that time, I was was recording in a basement that had a bunch of water on the floor all the time so <laughs> nice it was concerning <laughs> that was a, lo- a long time ago i did that one you know your setup now uh seems nicer right because you moved houses i think the first time i talked to you you were in the process of switching places is that correct am i remembering oh, that yeah. right yeah, yeah 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 it was yeah probably five years ago mm. maybe i feel like that was the that was the thing or maybe you had just moved into your new place and you were uh yeah i'm i've i moved up i'm on i'm in the top floor now <laughs> <laughs> no more concerns of electrocution and- <laughs> <laughs> just just don't touch the keyboards and you'll be fine <laughs> this is technically the older thing because i've played your stuff in reverse order so at this point in time how much gear had you amassed when I had recorded that, I had just got the Pro 1, I think. But I had went through a phase where I just bought every digital synth that existed. <laughs> they were all like 50 bucks or something. So I had, I had like all, you know, all of the N-Sonic synths. I had like all of the Korg digital stuff. So a lot of that song is that stuff. But it has an under, it has the, uh, the Micro Brute and the Pro 1, like the, for the analog kind of low end but i i had a good bit of stuff back then i like when you're talking and there's these like xylophone sounds that sort of like <laughs> accent what you're saying <laughs> it's like my house alarms going off and stuff 
That microbrute's a cool synth. So what is that? What is a microbrute? Uh, it's a little... It's actually a modern analog. I've got one. They're really affordable. Like, if someone wants to get into analog stuff, it's a good route. I think they, they sound great. It's just a monophonic uh, one oscillator synth by Arturia with a Steiner Parker filter. It's got, like, this, like, quite a retro sound like the Steiner Parker filter is from a design in the 70s from the Synthicon which was a synth that was made and then disappeared what is that word you're saying Steiner Parker or Synthicon Steiner Parker okay okay sorry just because yeah sorry you're saying it's okay it sounded like this one weird word and I'm like is that like some weird like German word I'm supposed to know I think it's the guy who designed the filter Steiner Parker I think is his name okay but they they made this Microbrute. Well, they made the mini brute first. Arturia did, and then they made the microbrute, and they're both pretty cool since. Oh All wait, like- maybe maybe that was the mini brute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which one is the bigger one? That's mini. The, mini. Mini? the naming that's, is very that's confusing. What- <laughs> that was the one I got. That this was sounds the like the fucking uh, the sizes of like drinks at Starbucks. You know, when you're sitting here going like, is the, which one's the smaller, the mini or the micro? And you know, at Starbucks, it's just like, well, the grande, but then there's the, the venti. Grande and, brute. and you're just like, like, which one's the fucking big cup, assholes? Like, the anyway. venti brute. Well, that's cool, man. I dig uh, cool sounds. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's why I'm yeah. the host. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's listen to some fucking ogre and then we'll uh we'll keep this train rolling along here this is a track from 195 mm. and uh, this was a nice big fat album a lot of uh i would say homages to some uh some classic 80s cinema and stuff this uh this track is called interceptor and uh and it's pretty cool
right, and that was Interceptor by Ogre off the album 195. And today we're chatting production with uh, Robin, a.k.a. Ogre, and Dallas Campbell. And um, this one uh, is awesome, and it obviously takes some inspiration, I imagine, from uh, the film Commando. It does, yeah. Yeah, uh, you got the steel drums and steel drum territory. Yeah, and stuff like that. But it's a it's it's a wicked. It's funny because what I like about a lot of the you know the good synth music I listen to, retro you know electronic music. Sometimes there's tracks that pay homage to things I like and and do them kind of better. <laughs> so it's like when I listen when I listen to your track Interceptor, the whole time I'm like, oh, this is great. This reminds me of Commando. And then I'll go back and watch Commando and actually like pay close attention to the music mm. and go like, oh, it's very sort of simple. It's it's not as uh, it's not as big as this track, right? Like this track has a very big sound to it. Thanks. <laughs> it's very kind. It was a fun one to make. I remember it took me ages to make one nine five because I spent forever and a day recording everything under the sun, and I, that I used a big a lot more rack sense on. I, it was just a complicated album to make, man. That's like as simple as I can put it. Uh, there's like everything's going on in that track as well. It's an interesting one you picked because, yeah, literally everything, including the literal kitchen sink, is being used in that track because that rhythm at the start. Right. You got you started to get into sampling around this time, right? Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. yeah. And recording a lot of stuff. And also the orchestra hits in that. I didn't have a synth that could do an orchestra hit, so I made my own by layering orchestral samples. I saw a Sunglasses Kid do a video on this on Twitter the other day where he cut out an orchestra hit from, um, I think, Stravinsky's Firebird Suite or something, whatever the original Fairlight sample comes from. Right. That Orc 5 sample, the do-do-do-do-do, like, yeah, well, you'd know it. I can't really do an impression of an orchestra hit. But you can you can make your own really easily because you just layer up all the instruments, like, you know, bass, cellos, violin, strings, basically brass, percussion, timpani. Just put it on, put that in a sampler, and then you've got your own orchestra hit. Right. Chuck some reverb on it, and jobs are good, and, and then you've got your own orchestra hit song. But yeah, like, that's in it. <laughs> and then there's the steel drums, which are a, they're, they're a contact instrument. The flutes that come in is, like, three different layers. That's, like, a contact flute you play it and it'll sound like you know it's a virtual instrument it's supposed to be like a real performance of a flute mm. and then there's one from the Korg M3R which is half an M1 that's in there like the pan flutey setting I think oh, so maybe off the Proteus one as well all cheesy accents, but they do that like sound real well because like one thing I couldn't do is on the Commando soundtrack, which was, you know, James Horner's... It's James Horner did that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That soundtrack he did on a Synclavio, which is like, they're pretty rare. They're a bit like the Fairlight, but with FM synthesis built in. So it's like a bit like a huge sampler, or in the, in the 80s it would have been like ginormous, like library of sounds to make a score from. And like he used that the whole way through that, I think. I think it's got a filter in it, but I might be wrong as well. But I, can't, I couldn't do that because there's no... At the time, there might be a sample library for it now, but at the time, there definitely wasn't. So I was layering up a lot of these rompler sounds with a lot of FM sounds from the TX81Z and stuff um, to get that kind of rompler, synclavier kind of thing. Because like early sampling, like the Fairlight and the synclavier have this crunch. I call it the crunch factor, mm. which you get from the digital down sampling of like crap 80s gear. Well, not crap, but like <laughs> older 80s gear. <laughs> Which is something, I don't know if it is actually desirable, but the aliasing you get on the sounds is pretty cool. How did you, um, because there's a thing I like in this track where you've got the the steel drums, yeah, and they kind of like roll, like, you know, there's a part where it goes like, 
that yes yeah it reminds me of yep. the um the baseline in the 80s version of the doctor who theme yeah it's got that like uh triplet feel yeah yeah because that's the thing like whenever i because i love the doctor who theme and i particularly love the 80s one but mm. what i noticed whenever people do the the bass line the the classic doctor who bass it's always like the dun 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 but in the 80s it kind of goes like like that yeah it's got that they it's called ratcheting and when you do it with a synth usually on a sequencer where you cram more notes than you should into a step dallas and i do it quite a bit it's like classic tangerine dream kind of technique or, you, you know, if you're playing live, I think I played the steel drums on that live. You just did like a quick roll with your fingers on the one note on the keyboard. I used the Koi K1 as my MIDI controller on that album. Oh, yeah, the bass line in that track's really boring. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's just one note the whole way through. Like, it sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a kind of conscious choice because a lot of the other bass lines in that album are real busy with that like jiggy kind of uh, triplet bass theme that runs through the whole album like yeah Interceptor is one of those tracks that has like none of that going on <laughs> yeah 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 so but it's cool man I dig it thanks <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like now like my caffeine is sort of like worn off <laughs> Well, anyways, guys, listen. We should probably uh, we got to wind this down here because we've been we've been talking for a while. But I want to uh, uh, thank you guys for coming on. It's always nice talking to you too. The reason why I like having you both on, it's not just because you know you've done all these like collabs with each other, but I like there's this this sort of like mutual appreciation for the the techniques and the and the things you guys do. Like I do, I do feel it when I'm in the. <laughs> the, the, vir- the virtual room with you guys and so that that's what i like is that you guys kind of speak the same language and like know what each other's talking about because i look there's no fucking there's no illusion for me like i don't know half of the shit that's going on when you guys are talking <laughs> i mean i get it sort of but you know there's a lot of like you know like and then we turned on the fucking uh, the rumpler on the d101 and the fucking 4503 <laughs> did the fucking tangential fucking aqua wave or whatever and the, I just, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> like, all, all that matters to me in my head is going like, I think that's what makes that wah, wah sound. And <laughs> that's where my heart is. Um, but uh, we're gonna do this again. So you know, maybe like a month or so, or a few episodes, we'll uh, we'll get caught up again, and then then I would like to focus on your collaborations because you guys have done a bunch of cool collaborations, and it'd be neat to talk to you guys again about the process of collaborating as well as sort of making tracks the way you guys do and I think that will be a, a cool time Sweet. that'd be fun yeah, yeah. So I'm up for it do you guys have any like uh, parting words for today just want to say thanks so much for having us it's been a blast yeah it was real fun <laughs> I, talk, uh, <laughs> I don't think I get to listen I don't think I well we'll see how you know we'll see how it comes out in the wash but there's not it's not very often I get to just like talk nerdy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> invite. I'll come. I'll come over and be in there at any time. Again, this is something new I'm trying out because I just want to see how people feel about it. Because like, obviously, people are always asking me to do shows like this, and I've been purposefully denying them that. Mm. And I think it's <laughs> like I have a specific um, thing I like to do on this show, and that's why this show is this show because that's yep. the choices that I make. 
But I don't know. After a while, like so many people, like I, I do get a lot of that where people are sort of expecting the certain thing, and I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Like let's just do it. I don't care. Like I have any fucking pride <laughs> about this. Like there's only so many times I can have people on and talk about N64 to them again, right? So I mean, like, it's, it's, <laughs> oh wait, nice. wait, I did have some. I did have something to end with. You missed two game conversation opportunities because Dallas talked about the C this the Sidman. Oh, was it was it the, the Sid Station? Sid which Station. Is the, which is the sound chip from the Commodore 64. Yeah, those I've been listening to a, a bunch of those fucking classic uh, Commodore tracks lately. I've been There's this website called Zofar's <laughs> Domain and it's this dude who just collects old um, video game soundtracks and puts them in MP3 and you can just download the folders. Oh, sweet. There's one guy that's real awesome. Hubbard, Inter- uh, the International Karate. Yeah, fucking we, we talked <laughs> yeah, about yeah, this yeah, before. Yeah. It's, it's, yes, yes. I, What's his name? I, I always want to call him L. Ron Hubbard and then remember that that's the fucking Hubbard, guy. yes. Hubbard. Ron Hubbard. Or- Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Rob Hubbard. Rob, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Rob. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Incredible. International karate is awesome. And I still, one of my favorites is still Druid. Uh, yeah. It's fucking. Man. <laughs> to have one of those dudes talk about the process of making that music is oh. insane. Yeah, it's insane. I should reach out to uh, <laughs> to those people. Like I had, you should uh, at the start of this season. I had Dan Forden on, who uh, mm. is the guy who does the music for the Mortal Kombat series, yeah. mm-hmm. and and he talked about you know because he he had worked on like pinball machines and shit and like the first Mortal Kombat and like how the process of making sort of music at that point he, he even talked about this thing where when he was in school they were using a thing called it was called APC no APL. Which was it literally like it's so old it like that literally stood for a programming language, <laughs> like, and that's what and that's what they were using. So like they had to like basically type out their songs, and then overnight the computer would process it, so yep. that the next day you'd come to class and you could like hear your one minute composition that you had like basically just programmed in with text. Wow. Yeah, like, that's like, exactly it. That's. <laughs> I just, I just love that it was called a programming language. Like that's what the the acronym was because it's like. <laughs> and if you made, if you had to make one little change, you you know, you had to hit it, and then it would have to render or whatever every time, to like yeah. twenty four hours. It would, just, it would just be insane to have to work like that. No, man, yeah. it's it's fucking mind boggling. Like it, at the same time, it, you know, it, sometimes with those limitations, you know, you get to. You get the genius of the Commando soundtrack from the Commodore 64. You'd be under a lot of pressure if you were programming the wind to get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, listen, you guys have lovely days. You too, man. Uh, All right. That's not how you say that. Is that how you say goodbye to two people at the same time? Have lovely days? Both have a lovely day. Have great days. For some reason, I pluralized days because there's two of you. I'm like, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. My brain is done. Anyways, listen, it was good talking to you, and we will, uh, we'll catch up again uh, hopefully in like a few weeks or something. Yeah, man. Sweet. Awesome. All right, and that was Ogre and Dallas Campbell. Uh, it's always fun chatting with them. We had a good time. Uh, I should point out that I just 
Saw on Instagram yesterday that Ogre was in the hospital, and I think he's got gallstones because he posted a picture of him with a fucking tube in his nose, and he was like in a hospital bed. So, buddy, get well soon, all right? Get better, dude, and can go back and make some more music. I think Ogre's doing okay. He's doing all right. I forget. Is gallstones the same as kidney stones? Are they shooting a laser up your Peter right now? Like, is that what's happening? I hope not. I don't, because I don't remember. I, I get confused sometimes. I know there's different types of stones. And then there's the ones that Bruce Willis had to pull out of that chick after she did that concert to uh, to make the, the fifth element. Then there's kidney stones. All right, look, I got to go. Anyway, so get better, buddy. We're all rooting for you over here at Beyond Synth, all right? Get them gallstones, whatever they do, to get rid of them. Do they shoot lasers at them? Do they cut them out of you? I don't know how it works, but uh, I hope you I hope you get a speedy recovery, man, and get back to making cool tunes. And that is all for this week's episode of Beyond Synth, so tune in next time. And, uh, yeah, and don't forget to check out beyondsynth.com, and have a lovely weekend. Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash Beyond Synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.